We're coming to you live from the main auditorium. This is Chapman. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's so great to actually all be together at the same time today. Um, this is the first time actually we've done this, uh, where we've all gathered at the same time since we've been yes. kind of in this whole virus season. It's incredible. It's a Sunday and I'm finally in church. <laughs> <laughs> we are back in the building at least. But yes. church is not a building. It is the people. And we Amen. are glad that you as the people are uh, joining us right now. I think we've got over 300, 300. Uh, people uh, already logged on, which is fantastic, and uh, uh, we're really looking forward to uh, doing this. The reason why we wanted to go live together at the same time today is that we want to share in a communion service uh, with one another, and this is we, the first time that we've done this, actually, uh, since we started this virus season, to have communion together, uh, and that's something that we're really excited about. Um, and there's lots of stuff that we're going to do. Uh, we want to be as interactive as possible. How can people be interactive with us? Chatting? Yes, first of all, you can let us know where you're tuning in from. You can leave a comment below. Let us know where you are right now, where you're watching. And uh, there are a few ways as well. Mm. And uh, we're going to have a Q&A session at the end of this service. Right. So stay tuned. Don't go away after service. Just stay, grab a cup of coffee, come back, and uh, you can ask us any questions you want. Chapman is going to host the Q&A time. I'm super excited about that because you can ask him any questions about his marriage. He recently got married. You can hit him with questions about marriage, questions about him. Uh, I'll also be there so we can have some fun together. So that'll be after uh, the service uh, and uh, get your questions coming in uh, already right now. Uh, we'd love to be able to connect with you and do that. And let us know where you're tuning in from. We know that when we do these live events, people tune in from all over the world. Uh, so maybe drop a comment uh, in the comment box of where you're tuning in from, uh, whether it's here in Hong yeah. Kong or anywhere else. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'd love to see that and know uh, who's joining as part of the Vine family today. Yeah, send us some love. Yeah. Now, uh, here's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, in a moment, uh, we're actually going to have an interview uh, with Sydney Yip, uh, one of our elders, uh, who's also a doctor here in the city uh, and we wanted to connect with him we want to hear a little bit about his journey during this season what it's like to be a doctor in our city uh, as well as uh, what's going on for doctors and nurses around Hong Kong in this time and I think it'll be fantastic for us to hear a little bit from him uh, connect to his heart uh, and then spend some time in prayer for doctors and nurses they've been the heroes during this season uh, and we want to just bless on them and pray for them today so we're going to do that in a moment uh, and then after that uh, we're going to have a time of worship together um, and it's going to be an amazing chance for us to, to sing and engage as one body around Hong Kong at the same time. Uh, and then I'm going to do a, a short teaching with us on what communion is all about. Uh, you know, it's a special opportunity for us today to do some teaching around communion, uh, to help you to understand the roots of what the table is all about. Uh, and I think that'll be uh, really enlightening for us as we then, after that, come to take communion all together as one family today. Uh, and so that's essentially what we're going to be doing in our service. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to uh, being able to do this all together. And there's other things that are happening also this week uh, that The Vine's doing. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. I wonder if anyone is new here, whether you've been joining us uh, in the past couple months or you've been just starting to tune in uh, in the last couple weeks as we start church everywhere. If you're new to The Vine, we would love to host you in our online newcomers evening. It's happening this coming Wednesday, April 22nd. We'll start at 7.30 until around 8.30 and you can simply sign up here in this link. Scan a QR code or go to vinechurch.life slash what's happening and we can, we would love to see you. We would love to hang out with you and tell you all about us and get to know you as well. 
Wonderful. Uh, we got people tuning in from Australia, from Singapore, from Shanghai, uh, from all over the place. Keep letting us know uh, where you're tuning in from. Maybe even let us know what time it is where you're tuning in from. I yeah. know that some people in the U.S. it's going to be like super late at night or whatever. Uh, we'd love to know that too. That'll be kind of cool. Uh, one of the other things that we're doing today, as we have been doing each Sunday, is our uh, Zoom prayer line, uh, and that is going to be operating uh, today at 11:30 and three. We're we're uh, having our morning prayer time a little bit later because of our live service. So that'll be at 11.30 and 3. Scan that QR code if you want to join us. Uh, and I, I really want to encourage this. You know, uh, one of the things that we've wanted to do during this season where we haven't been able to gather together in uh, our church building is to make sure we're connecting with you as much as possible. And I know that many of you would value a time of prayer, a time of connection with others. So our pastors will be online on that Zoom link uh, at 11.30 and 3 today. Uh, and any prayer need that you have, we would love to come around you and pray personally with you. And children, I miss your laughter in the building. But even though we're not meeting here right now, K4C, it's also everywhere. And today is special. We're going to move the K4C online meeting on Zoom to 11.30. So stay tuned. And parents, you would have received an email from us uh, with the link to that Zoom call. And one of the things that we're also going to be doing uh, today, as we've already said, is communion. And so if you haven't had a chance yet to get your bread ready, to get some wine or some juice prepared, uh, we want to encourage you to do that uh, anytime now. Uh, we're going to be doing that a little bit later in our broadcast. But get your bread, uh, get your juice and wine ready, uh, and we'll be taking that all together uh, a little bit later. Well, we're going to go into a time of connecting with Sidney Yip, uh, one of our um, elders here at The Vine, and talking a little bit about his journey as a doctor uh, during this COVID season. So, uh, Sydney, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, today. Hi. Um, hi. Good morning, everybody. You may be a little surprised how come I'm a little bit distant. You're further away. <laughs> yeah, for the very purpose that I'm working in a hospital environment, and I love Andrew, so I want to uh, keep him safe. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, Sydney. Yeah. Um, so, so Sydney, uh, you were a doctor during the SARS uh, period here in Hong Kong, uh, and, uh, and during that time, uh, obviously, it was an incredibly difficult time for our city. Um, and I know that some of your experiences there uh, connect with what's going on now. Uh, what was it like being a doctor back in SARS? Well, uh, that was 17 years ago. Uh, the the, the um, very first experience of SARS was uh, out of the blue, we received the mandatory home quarantine order yeah, because uh, two of our colleagues from the department uh, caught the disease. Right. Uh, so it was a progressive change uh, for us from the initial anxiety and stress. And then we uh, kind of regained some strength to carry on. But then we have to pick up ourselves from uh, lots of uh, colleagues. Mm, mm, mm. And then uh, we, we got the courage to rise out of the challenge. Mm, mm. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not obviously an easy thing uh, to, to stand uh, as doctors on the front lines during this time. Um, what, what, was, what were some of the dangers that you guys were facing and how did you approach those dangers? How did you overcome, I'm, I'm sure, the fear you must have felt? Yeah, I think that there were some what we call a standard operating procedures, um, the protective gears, uh, the entry restrictions. So all, all these are in place. Uh, they are the physical measures. But really, the, what we're dealing with is the heart issue. Right. So we have to overcome the, and the certain of our stress and strain. We have to adjust our at, own attitudes. 
Um, but uh, I think there are different ways of overcoming. So say, for example, some of my, the, what, what I call the gang hog colleagues, they actually volunteer to work in the, the high-risk area, the dirty teams, to screen for patients. Mm. So mm. that's one way of their coping and overcoming. Mm. Uh, for many others, uh, myself included, I think the, the mere call uh, to report to duty, to work, to take up responsibility, by itself is already a very good drive for us to draw strength because we have a purpose, we have a sense of calling to overcome our own fear and to meet the needs of the patients who are entrusted to us. Yeah, yeah. I remember at, at the beginning of the, the virus uh, season, Sydney actually uh, sent uh, an email into our staff just uh, sharing some of the ways in which God had spoken to him during SARS and how that was bringing him strength now in this season. Could you share a little bit about how God spoke to you in that time and, and how that's given you courage in this new season we're in? Well, I think uh, the scenario was somewhat different. I think um, now it's really obviously a global and uh, it's affecting every individual, every household. So the last time we still had uh, some form of church gathering. So the communal support was really the, um, a bit more present and palpable. Uh, honestly, this time round is uh, a further away in terms of the physical distancing. And uh, we have to be a bit more on our own. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it's, uh, for me, it's that process of that the personal journey to anchor in Christ, to find uh, strength. And that actually allows, say for example, even more time to, to ponder, to walk trails, and to study God's word. So mm. say for example, I, I actually enrolled in some uh, biblical Hebrew studies and learned this word, uh, Shema. Mm. Shema actually that means to hear or to hear intensively. That includes the obedience component. So say for example, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, says that, Shema, hear, O Israel, you are to love your God with all your might, all your strength, and with all your heart. So that is the call, the key command for God uh, to us to hear intensively mm. in this season. Mm. Mm. What would be uh, some of the ways that you would sort of speak about COVID now and what people are going through, what the doctors and nurses are going through, and again, comparing it with SARS? Uh, how is this season different, and what do you think is happening, and what do you think God is doing in the midst of this moment? Well, I think, um, in a sense, it was helpful that uh, we, we see God's faithfulness last time, and that helped us anchor and be more prepared. So I would say, the, say for example, in a church community, uh, we are actually more prepared or more ready to reach out rather than so-called to hide in a fear mode. So I think um, that preparedness, that um, uh, God's faithfulness reminded us that we can actually, in this difficult season, be even more proactive to outreach others, to show our care, love, and concern. So um, the other thing is, um, while last time we are looking towards uh, reverting to normal, normalcy, I think this time we should be looking at well, uh, what is new that one God, I mean, God wants us to do as individual and the church as community. So mm. we, we should be looking at the how to align with God's new purposes in this season. Mm. So um, I, I mean, for, for my own personal purposes, um, SARS last time helped me to prepare my second half life transition. But at this time round, the COVID actually... Um, we finalized my steps to moving into a full calling 
of God. So I, I, I practically have trimmed down my clinical practice. Uh, I re- and in, enrolled in seminary studies. I'm finishing. And I also make that uh, commitment that well, I'll be serving God full-time in whatever manner that, um, that seems right. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, you've been such a blessing, and you are such a blessing to our church body, just uh, in your role uh, on eldership with us. And uh, it's so exciting to see how God's using this time to kind of speak to you about that gifting and calling into ministry in that way. And so we just, we just love that and appreciate that. One of the things that I think has also been challenging uh, in this time is to really be able to understand what is happening on the ground for doctors and nurses uh, in our city. They are the heroes of this moment. They're the ones that are putting their lives often at risk uh, to serve the people of Hong Kong. Um, How do you think we can be praying uh, for uh, our doctors and nurses here in our city at this time? Yeah, I'm really hoping that I'm speaking on behalf of fellow colleagues who are working in the front line, in headquarters. so I think there could be three things that we can be praying for them. One is um, the, the renewed passion to overcome the fatigue uh, phenomenon. It's a long haul. We are not expecting that things would uh, disappear altogether. So renewed passion every day to be committed to loving and caring patients. Uh, number two, I think, is uh, to some extent we lost quite a bit of our social life. <laughs> Uh, so I think it's important and hopefully our fellow colleagues could find some meaningful way of interacting, of keeping themselves um, socially and emotionally healthy. Uh, third thing is actually the prayer, pray that we have creative ways to express our love and care for patients. I mean, sometimes we go into, move, into the, the mode of just follow the rule, carry on with the job, but we lost that touch, that love, that we, 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 do not, we no longer think of creative ways of helping or blessing the patients that we are entrusted to care. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. One of the things that I've been really blessed with from you is just your ability to speak faith uh, into these kinds of moments. And uh, I, I've always admired how you actually strengthen your faith uh, in challenging times. I've seen you do it a number of times uh, in our relationship that we've had together over the years. Um, how do you think we could be strengthening our faith right now so that this is not like, you know, we're in lockdown, we're quarantined, we're, you know, and, but we're actually using this time to really grow our faith. What are some ways that we can strengthen our faith? Well, I would uh, broadly say there are some the daily living issues and there's, um, of course, the faith issues. I talk about the daily living issues. I call it the 20 mile a day rule. Uh, it's actually a, a concept um, that was written up by the, this author, uh, James Collins, in his, uh, the, in his book, The Great Choices. So in, initially, it was a study for companies, how they survive the tough um, um, economic um, turmoils. And um, so basically, the principle is not to overexpand in so-called good times, but yet uh, be consistent in performing despite the bad times. So that's where they help companies to overcome all the hurdles and uh, arise up and above, beyond the storm in certain seasons. Mm, mm. So he compared this with um, this South Pole explorer about uh, 100 years ago. So he actually set his journey to the, reach the South Pole, literally walking 15 miles a day, regardless of the weather or the geography at that piece of land for that particular day. So interesting thing is, while he was about 40 miles from the final destiny, the South Pole, he can choose to do a one-day push to reach 40 miles, or he choose to stick to this 20-mile-a-day rule. 
which he did, <laughs> and he was successful, and he came back safely. Mm. So that's the 20 mile a day. We just need to be consistent, especially in these kind of hard times, that we would continue to perform, continue to do well in our own destined, destined area mm. of service. Mm. So that's the daily living part. Uh, of course, there is the spiritual part, is the, the look back at how God has been faithful and remind us that uh, he will continue to be faithful. I just want to share a very short testimony. Mm. Uh, during the SARS period, uh, one of our uh, worship pastors, um, his wife was um, admitted to isolation. So um, in that uh, desperation, um, he, he really literally cried out to God. Mm. And he um, wrote up this song called Faithful God. So I, I still remember the lyrics. So I serve a God who is faithful and true. I will hide in the shadow of his wings. For I find my rest in your faithfulness. Because I serve a faithful God. So, um, yeah, uh, there's much to celebrate. His wife recovered. And they are still serving faithfully up to now. So remembrance of God's faithfulness remind us and help us to face the challenges ahead. Sydney, yeah. I'm so grateful that you joined us today. Thank you for being uh, vulnerable and open with us uh, as you always are. And uh, we're just so grateful for you and Vivian and your ministry here at The Vine. And we're going to take some time to pray now for doctors and nurses and others on the front lines of this battle uh, in our city at this time. And uh, I wonder whether we could all be doing this at the same time together across Hong Kong and around the world, wherever you're tuning in. Uh, let's just take a moment to uh, bow our heads and to pray. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we just uh, come before you as a church, as people who believe in you and love and know you, and we bring before uh, you the doctors and nurses of our city here in Hong Kong, those that are on the front lines dealing with this uh, disease, this virus. And Father, we pray for supernatural power, energy, and peace upon them in their daily work. Lord, we pray for an anointing to come upon their hands. Lord, your word reminds us to pray to strengthen our hands. And so we pray over each one of them that you would strengthen their hands in this season. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, release, uh, Lord, your goodness and your faithfulness to them again. Father, for those that are apart from their families at this time, who have to be physically distant in that way, uh, those that are apart from friends, uh, loved ones, we just pray that you would bless them in that sacrifice, Lord. Lord, we pray that also for those that um, at times feel so tired, so exhausted, that you would step in by your Spirit and meet them and strengthen them in that place, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the gifts and the talents, the intelligence and wisdom that you've blessed them with. Help them to be patient with the patients that they're working with. Uh, and Lord, we are so grateful uh, for their service. Just bless them, fill them, empower them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. Well, thank you so much, Sydney, for being with us today. We're so grateful for that. Um,
I also want to say uh, thank you. We got uh, over 500 uh, plus people online right now, which I think is amazing. Uh, and we're just so grateful for that. And uh, uh, I'm going to invite Chapman back with us. Hey, Chapman. Hi. Um, and uh, uh, I also want to say uh, you guys as a church have been so incredibly faithful yes. in your financial stewardship during this season. We know uh, for some of you, you've already lost your job. Some of you are really struggling right now. Um, and uh, for many of us, it has been a challenging time. Um, but I'm just so uh, amazed at the generosity of the Vine Church family. Uh, you guys have continued just to uh, commit yourself to that financial stewardship here at the Vine. Uh, and we've just been blown away by that. So grateful for that. Uh, and I wanted to just say personally, thank you uh, for your giving in this time. And, and there are many ways that uh, you can continue to give during this season. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that, Chapman? Yes. Thanks to the advance of technology, it's so easy to give now online. So here's the QR code of Alipay or PayMe. You can simply scan the QR code and then tithe through this uh, link. Or you can go to vinechurch.life slash giving. And then there are different ways there you can give to church. We want to spend some time in worship together as a family today. And, um, you know, if you've been following Church Everywhere, we've been doing uh, worship and word every week within Church Everywhere. Um, and I, I want to once again just challenge you in this worship moment uh, not to be an observer. It's easy on these kind of online kind of church uh, services uh, to kind of treat the worship as like a visual thing that you watch uh, rather than a spiritual thing in which you participate. So I want to challenge and encourage you now as we move into this time of worship uh, to do what is required for you to enter in and to participate. For some of you, that might mean uh, standing uh, where you are and just uh, entering into a time of worship, following along, singing out loud. For some of you, it might be uh, just to uh, find a quiet spot and just to quieten your heart and close your eyes and uh, take some time just to listen to the worship. It's, it's being sung over you. Uh, however it might be for you, we want to encourage you uh, to participate in this moment of worship. And isn't it wonderful that we get to all do this together at the same time uh, across Hong Kong and the world uh, right now. And so this is our time to connect with Jesus. Let me pray for us as we come into this time of worship. Father, we open our hearts. We open our hands. We open our lives before you. We're thankful that we get to join together now to worship you. Thank you that worship is about communion. It's about connection. It's about us speaking out our hearts to you. It's about using words and melody and lyrics to express what it is that we love about you, know about you, your character, your goodness. And Father, I know that there are people watching this right now, tuning in from all over. And it's been a hard season. And I pray right now that your spirit would flood every home that your spirit would come right now for every family, every child, every parent. Father, for those that are sick right now watching this, for those that have loved ones that, they, that they're thinking of in this time, for those that are just desiring to know you more in the midst of what is happening, for those with the big questions that seem to go unanswered. Father, for every single one right now, would your spirit just come? Would you flow? Would you move us into this place of worship? May we encounter your presence. Would your spirit come? Would your presence fall? In Jesus' name.
Father, we just are so grateful. We're so grateful, God, that you've revealed yourself to us. Grateful, Lord, that your spirit and your presence has come in this moment. In all of the homes and the places where we are gathered in this moment. That you are that way maker. Father, I want to pray and declare over every household in this moment that the miracle-working God would be present and alive and filled in every heart. Lord, I pray right now that we would come to know you in a deeper and more intimate way in this season. And Father, we, we just release, Lord, the power that is found in your name the power that is found in who you are. We speak the name of Jesus over every home right now. We speak the name of Jesus over every context and situation. For those that are anxious and fearful, that you would meet them. For those that are wondering what's next in their lives, you would meet them. For those in search of new work. For those that are wondering what's ahead. For those that are anxious, Lord, you come. And we, we pray that you would reveal your character, your faithfulness, your steadfastness. For that is who you are, Lord. And for those that need you to make a way, that you would be there right now. Connecting and speaking and drawing out the ways in which you are far greater than we could ever ask or imagine. You are this immeasurably more God. That's who we worship in this moment. That's who we anticipate to meet us in our homes right now. And so, Father, we just give you all glory and honor and power that is due your name. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen, amen. I want to take some time with us today off the back of that worship to talk a little bit about what communion is all about, what the Lord's Supper truly is for us as Christians. And to do that, I want to talk a bit about the roots of where the communion table has come from. I want to talk a little bit about how the early church embraced that meal and then talk and perhaps challenge us to think about communion, not just as a ritual, but actually a lifestyle that we're invited into by God himself. So uh, I, I want to start by talking about those roots. And that means we have to talk about the Passover, the Exodus and adoption. You know, when Jesus uh, met with uh, the disciples in the upper room uh, just a few days before he went to the cross and he shared that meal with them, he did so at that moment of Passover. It was the Passover festival that they had gathered uh, to celebrate. And uh, the Passover, of course, links right back to the Exodus narrative. And it celebrates the reality that the God that we have is a God who breaks us out of slavery and brings us into freedom. That's what really the Exodus story is all about. And the Passover meal that Jesus was doing in that moment with the disciples was rooted back to the reality that the God that we serve, the God that we worship is a delivering God. I want to actually take you back to Exodus now and show you where the idea of this Passover meal kind of draws out of and, and get a sense of who God is in the midst of the Exodus, because that tells us a bit about who God is as we come to the communion table today. So this is found in Exodus chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 6. Let me read this to us. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. 
I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to a land that I swore and uplifted uh, with uplifted hand uh, and give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I will give it now to you as a possession, for I I am the Lord. This is one of those significant moments in the Exodus story where God declares A, who he is, but also B, what he's about to do. And I I want you to to notice here how he does that. First of all, he says, I'm going to take you. I'm a God who wants to take you and bring you into my family. So there's this sense of God taking them to be part of his family. He then speaks about how he's going to uh, bless them. He's going to give them a land. He's going to take them, first of all, and then go and bless them and bring them, bring them into a new place as a blessing to them. He also says here that he's going to break off uh, the yoke of their slavery. He's actually going to break the bondages of the slavery and the brokenness. And he's going to do that by the power that he has to move them out of that place of slavery into a new place of freedom. And then finally, he says, I will then give this place to you as your possession, as your inheritance. So I'm going to basically take you as my own. I'm going to bless you by bringing you into a new land. I'm going to break off that slavery from you, from free you from being slaves, and then I'm going to give to you this new inheritance. And, and this has been actually the way that God defines himself in the Exodus as a God of deliverance. See, this is how we come to understand who God is in his deliverance with us. He is a God who takes, blesses, breaks, and gives. Just think about this for a sec. Our God as a deliverer is one who takes, blesses, breaks, gives. So when Jesus sits at that meal table to celebrate Passover with the disciples, this is exactly what he's doing. He's drawing from this Exodus idea that our God is one who is able to break the bondage and the yoke of slavery and bring us into a new place of freedom. So when Luke writes about that moment of that communion table, he actually writes to it uh, in this idea of the Exodus narrative. Uh, I want to show this to you, actually, because uh, I think this is really quite powerful and profound. Uh, let's go to that moment of the first communion uh, in the upper room, just days before Jesus died. And I want you to notice how Luke describes what happens in the communion moment. This is starting in Luke 22 from verse 14. He says, when the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and they were doing so for the Passover meal. And he says this to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said this, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Notice verse 19. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and then gave it to them, saying this, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I want you to see what Jesus does here, because it's really critical. He's pulling from this idea of God as a deliverer from the Exodus narrative, and he actually physically does it. 
He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and then he gives it to the disciples. That's exactly the same imagery that we find in the Exodus narrative itself. But in doing this, Jesus does something that up to this point had never been done before. Jesus incarnates himself into the Passover meal to basically say to the disciples, hey, this meal now is not going to be about celebrating some God in the past and what he did in some Exodus before. This meal now invites us into a new Exodus. I am the fulfillment of the Exodus itself. If you want to know what deliverance is about, if you want to know what it is to come out of the yoke of slavery, I, my body, my blood will be the thing that will deliver you. And so drawing on that first Exodus kind of discussion and language and narrative, he takes, he blesses, he breaks, and he gives because he's saying, I now am the fulfillment of the Exodus. I am going to be the one who's going to deliver you. Not out of a, a, an enslaved system to a nation, I'm now going to deliver you in this new exodus out of your slavery to sin. Take, bless, break, and give. That's the historical roots of what communion is all about and how Jesus turns it on its head by placing himself in it. Here's the second thing we need to know, though. The early church begins to now embrace this new idea of what the Passover meal has become, this new communion moment. And in fact, in the New Testament, they begin to write and say all about what this idea of the new exodus is. You can see this in all of Paul's writings. He talks about the idea of adoption, just like in that first Exodus narrative. Now we are all adopted again into God's family, that God, through sending his son to the cross, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, here's what God has done. He has invited us into a new family. He's taken us as 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 being new with him, being a part of that communal environment, that a new community shaped and fashioned after the resurrection. That's who we are. He breaks off from us the yoke of our slavery to sin and through the life of Jesus invites us into a new way of being. You can see Paul say this actually in Galatians. He discusses and describes the way that through what God has done in the cross and in the resurrection, we are now a new exodus people. He says, basically, can you see that God has taken us out of our slavery? He's blessed us by giving us his son. He has broken off our bondage and our captivity, and he has now given us new life in Jesus. This is what he's done. This is how Paul begins to speak of it. This is how the the early church begins to see it. And they realize that the reason why the communion table is important is because it is the starting point of this new exodus. It is the place where that slavery has been broken. It is the place where we get to be welcomed into a a new way of living, a new way of being. And it all starts because of the cross. And, And so for the early church, they gathered to have the communion meal, not because it was some religious thing to do. They gathered because it was the symbol to them of God's ultimate act of love, that the cross was the place where the new exodus began. The cross was the place where sin was paid for. The cross was the place where we are now invited into a new life. And so for them, communion was was more than just a meal. It was actually the inauguration of their experience into this new family that they were a part of. See, for them, the communion, the act of communion It was a way of being invited in. It was a way of embracing the new. It was a way for them 
to take a moment to celebrate and to remember the greatest act of love God had ever given and to do so within the framework of this new exodus. And so as they came to understand and see the beauty of the table, not as a religious act, but actually an invitation to a new life, they realized that around the table, they could begin to be that new life. Let me give you a quick example of this just from Luke uh, as well. This is Luke chapter 24. And this is the first moment that communion is celebrated in Jesus' resurrection. The story will be familiar to you. Jesus has just raised from the dead and he's walking with two disciples down the road towards Emmaus. And these disciples aren't able to know or see that this is Jesus. They're communing with this stranger on the road, but they don't have an idea that this is actually Christ. Their eyes, if you will, are closed to the fact that this is Jesus, but they have this great conversation with him. They get to Emmaus and Jesus begins to pretend like he's going to walk on, but they say, no, no, wait, come spend the night with us. We want to learn more. We want to to hear more from you. Would you come and be with us for a meal? And I want to read to you what uh, it says here, because I think it's so beautiful and powerful. This is uh, in uh, in Luke chapter 24, uh, and we're going to pick it up here in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him to strongly do this. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went and stayed with them. Notice this. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. The first moment of communion in Christ's resurrection, once again, he takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, he gives it, connecting once more to that old Exodus narrative, declaring before these two disciples that he is this new Exodus. He is the God who will deliver. And in the moment of the communion and in Jesus's act of doing those four things, their eyes are opened and they see Jesus for who he truly was. And the early church had this idea that any time that they gathered for this meal, they did so in order to open their eyes deeper to the person of Christ in their lives. They believed that it was an eye-opening experience. And wherever you are right now, wherever you're gathered in a home, uh, in a moment, we're going to take communion together. And as we do so, it is to open our eyes again to who Jesus is. And I tell you, during this virus season, with all of the stuff that's been going on, all of the fear and the anxiety, all of the change, all of the disruption to our lives, it's been very easy for us to actually get, kind of almost get lost in our faith, to, to almost begin to wonder where God is. We begin to uh, kind of cloud our eyes from being able to see Him. The communion moment is our time, just like those disciples in the Emmaus Road, to have our eyes opened again to who Jesus truly is. And that leads us to the third thing. And the third thing is that communion is a lifestyle. That communion is not actually a religious act. It's actually something that we do that models for us the people God desires for us to become. You see, when we take communion, we are not just taking this as a way of remembering who God was before and what God has done in the past. We're not just remembering our sin and bringing that sin to Christ, as important as that is. When we take the meal we're actually also then participating in the way in which Christ is calling us to live. We're actually going to become the people he wants us to be. 
The New Testament speaks about this meal with a word. It's called Eucharistia. It's the word that's used to speak of the gathering and the meal. Eucharistia is a Greek word. Let me break it down for you real quick. You means to be good or well. Uh, Charizomai means uh, to grant or to give. And charis is grace. So the word Eucharistia stands for the idea that this meal was a time of thanksgiving to recognize the grace of God that is in our lives. So when we gather for this meal... We're not just gathering for a ritual. We're gathering in this thanksgiving that God has graced us so beautifully and profoundly in our hearts that we are now a new kind of people. St. Augustine put it this way. I love this. He says, the Eucharist is an outward visible sign of an inward invisible grace. Love that. An outward visible sign of an inward invisible grace. This is the grace that we find as we come to communion. And what is that grace? It's the reality that the greatest love that was ever shown comes out of brokenness and sacrifice towards the other. That's what the Eucharist is all about. The Eucharist is not just a ritual that reminds us of Christ's sacrifice for us. It is also a way of life. It's a picture for us for how we are to live now in communion with one another. In other words, when I begin to think about what it is to pour out my life on behalf of the other, I'm living out the Eucharist in that moment. When I stop and pray for the doctors and nurses of our city right now who are suffering and struggling, I'm living out the Eucharist in that moment. When I take a moment to think about the neighbors that I'm living with around the building that I'm, that I'm in and, and caring for their needs, wondering if they, they, they need some help or, or, or providing some practical ways to love on them, I'm living out the Eucharist. In other words, the communion table is an invitation to a new way of living. And it's not just about taking bread and taking wine. It's actually about living out what it is to be a new people of the new exodus. Jesus says, doesn't he, when he takes the bread and the cup, he says to the disciples in the upper room, do this in remembrance of me. And I think in one way, he is saying that in the way that we traditionally think of it. Do this in remembrance of me. It's like anytime you gather as a church body, take the bread, take the cup, do that act in remembrance of what I've done for you. That's absolutely what Jesus is saying. But I think he's also saying something else. I think he's saying, do this. Do the sacrifice. Do the giving of yourself towards the other. Do the loving of your neighbor greater than you love yourself. Do the, the, the paying out of, of all of the sacrifice towards those around you. Do that also. And when you do that, you're living me. You're living out. You become my hands and feet. Do that in remembrance of me. Not just to say thank you for how I've, I, I've broken through and been your deliverer, but also do this in a way of saying, this is why now I am a Christian. I get to live out what it is to be a new community where I give as much as I receive. I think it's a, it's a beautiful idea and it's what really the Lord's table is all about. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote this uh, beautiful quote uh, to really help uh, to understand the, the kind of invitation that we have that we're welcomed into uh, in the moment of communion. I want to read this to you from him. He says this, he says, Christian community is not an ideal we have to realize, but rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. We enter into that life together with other Christians, not as those who make demands, but as those who thankfully receive. I think that's such a beautiful thought 
that the communion table is about uh, us not coming and demanding something of God. We don't come to the communion table demanding God does this, that, and the other in our lives. We come just grateful that we get to receive. Receive that grace that he's poured out. Receive the new exodus of the, of the um, freedom from the slavery of our sin. And receive the reality that we now can live communion as a lifestyle. That's what this is about. And that's what we're going to now do as a church community, wherever it is that you are right now. I'm, I'm going to invite Chapman to, to join me back here. Welcome back, Chapman. Thank it's good you. to have you back with us. And we're going to partake in communion together. You're going to partake in communion at home right now. Um, if you haven't gotten your bread and your juice and wine ready, you've got like 30 seconds to like dash to your kitchen right now, uh, grab some juice, grab some bread. Uh, and we're in a moment going to share in this uh, act together uh, pulling together all of those things that I've just been sharing with us, all of the things about the old exodus, the taking, the blessing, the breaking, the giving, all of the idea of the, the New Testament church and how they, they saw that as, as something that, that they would open their eyes, meet with Jesus deeply in that act, and all with the idea of the lifestyle now uh, that we get to do as we live out Eucharist with one another. Okay, so hopefully by now uh, you've got your bread, you've got your juice, and uh, we're going to do this together. And, and I, I want you, uh, just uh, one person, if you're watching this with a family in your home right now, just one person in that family, just hold the bread in your hand in this moment. If you're uh, watching this on your own, just take uh, your bread and just put it in your hand right now. We're holding in our hands the body of Christ. It's a symbol, but it is such a beautiful, powerful one. It's a symbol of a God who decided that in order to break the slavery of sin, he would send his only son. That that son, because of his great deep love for us, would be willing to be broken on a cross. That his body would become the thing that would provide for us a new way into life, this new exodus. And so as you're holding this bread, you do so with this beautiful idea that this bread is symbolically that, that moment of sacrifice on that cross. And so would you do this with me as you hold the bread? Would you just take it and just break it open? And breaking out the bread is that idea of both God breaking off the slavery of our sin, but also the, the breaking of Christ's body on the cross for us. And now that you've broken it, uh, I want you just to take a little bit of it for yourself and then pass the bread to your family members or people that you're watching this with right now. And uh, let's all uh, hold a little piece in our hands. Uh, we're going to take it all together in a moment. But you're holding that symbol now. Christ has broken his body on the cross for you. And now in your hands is that symbol of that brokenness. And it's so that you might find new life. Jesus spoke to us and he said, I am the bread of life. That whoever comes to me will have rest, will have shalom, will have flourishing and replenishment. That this that we hold in our hands is that symbol of the new life that comes in the new exodus. Chapman, I'm going to invite you to pray for all of us uh, as we come to take the bread in the moment. Sure. Why don't we pray together? Jesus, we thank you for your broken body, for us to enter the kingdom of God. And we thank you that by your sacrifice, your willingness to walk on that cross and break your own body, today we are in a different place. We no longer are slaves of sin. We, we no longer are slaves to fear. 
today we can break free of that yoke. Yes, and so, God, we receive this freedom with thanksgiving, mm. with gratitude today. We just stand before you together as one church, as one body, as we. Mm. As we partake in this communion, and God, I just pray, just as how your disciples on the road of Emmaus, just as their eyes were open yeah. to see you more clearly, more deeply. Today, God, we pray for the spirit of revelation and wisdom to come and fill us up, to open our spiritual eyes, to give us a clearer picture of who Christ is, so that we could follow you and model you in our daily lives. So, God, in your name, we pray. Let's all take the bread together. In the darkness, we're waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came around, there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne. Endless glory to a cradle in the dark. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, free and one. writing about this moment uh, to the church in Corinth, he says this. He says, in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to encourage you just to uh, take uh, whatever cup it is that you've prepared, uh, whether that's wine or juice or whatever it might be. Uh, if you're with your family right now, maybe just everybody can hold their cup. Uh, and if you uh, need to pour out that uh, juice or whatever to everybody, just do that now. And uh, just as we get ready in a moment to share in the cup together. And just a couple of things that you just prepare. This blood here is really linked into that Passover moment in the Exodus narrative where they, they took that blood and they put it on the doorpost as a sign that, that they would be protected from God. And as we take the cup, it is also our way of proclaiming that protection, proclaiming the trust that we have in a God who loves us so deeply that he meets us in whatever needs that we have. And of course, the, the blood, as Jesus was saying here, is poured out from him as a new covenant. And so the blood also, this cup also represents for us uh, that forgiveness of our sins, the fact that Christ has uh, overcome death, that sin no longer is the end point of our stories, and that now this blood and through this blood and only through this blood alone, uh, we are able to find that new grace of life and be forgiven for our sins and our brokenness. And so we come to the cup both needing of protection and also needing of forgiveness. Yes. And so I want to encourage you just to take a moment, whatever that might mean for you. There might be some things that you just need to bring before the Lord in this moment as you share in the cup. So just take a moment before we drink it, just maybe to close your eyes and just personally just ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Ask Him to show you if there's anything that, that needs to be put right with Him. So just take a moment to do that.
Father, in this moment, we are so grateful that we get together in this time. In this time where we are physically distant from each other, in our homes. But Lord, we are united so strongly through your blood. And so as we, as a church family now, take this moment together, we do so recognizing the forgiveness of our sins. And as we brought those sins before you, as we've confessed them in our heart before you, we know that you forgive. And so we take this cup with confidence, knowing that we are that new Exodus people, people that are now poured out on behalf of the broken and vulnerable in our city. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let's take this cup now together. The morning that she rose, all of heaven held its breath. The stones grew for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead arose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church as Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of all shall not kneel, shall not faint. By His blood in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. sacrifice of the cross and for the new life that we are now in. Thank you for this new exodus moment. As we walk now into the week ahead of us, we do so with confidence, uh, knowing that you are this personal God, a God that delivers his people. And we are so grateful for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, Amen. Amen. It's been wonderful to be with you today. Thanks for sticking. And we've had over five, 600 people all online together, wow. uh, which has been amazing. And uh, just in a few moments at 1130, we will have our Zoom prayer line open. Uh, and we want to invite you, if you would like to receive prayer from a pastor today, uh, stick around, uh, have a look at the email that was sent out on Friday, uh, or, or have a look at the code uh, that, that we have here for you so that you can jump onto that prayer line just a little bit at 1130. We'd love to be able to do that. We also will have the people praying at 3 o'clock as well. So either 11.30 or 3 today, we would love to pray for you. 
Yes, and don't forget, K4C everywhere will also start at 11:30. So kids, get ready. 50 minutes, get started. And we're also excited. Next week, uh, we'll be continuing with our church everywhere experience. And uh, next week, uh, we will be uh, gathering together. And we're going to do this. Uh, I've got a message on my heart actually for next week. That's uh, that's called removing their grave clothes. And I believe it's a prophetic word for us as the vine, but also for the global church. So I'm really excited uh, to bring that with us uh, next week. And don't forget, uh, we've got our Q and A time that's coming up in just a moment. Do you want to tell us again about that? Yes. So after the service ends, we'll immediately jump to. A Q&A session. I'm going to host it. So what you're going to do is you just have to jump back into the video, leave a question in the comment section below, and our production team who are working incredibly hard uh, behind the scenes, they will screen the questions, put it on the screen, and we'll answer you. So ask us anything you want. <laughs> I'm kind of scared, actually. A little bit scared about that, but it's going to be fine. Um, have a great week, guys. We love you guys. Thanks so much for joining. We hope you've been blessed. If you've been blessed, leave a comment. Let us know what God's spoken to you uh, during this time. Uh, but go into your week confident that you are the new Exodus people and, and, and go with the glory of God as He loves on you. Bless Amen. you, everyone. God bless. See you bless guys. You church. See, See ya. you.